ahead and pray. All right, you guys just agree with me. I'd really appreciate it. Let's unify together. Father, we lift up the word of the Lord tonight, and we thank you for your presence. So we thank you so much for the power and the presence of the Lord that's here. Lord, we thank you for those that, that are going to be listening to this. And Lord, as we pray tonight, we ask you that you would anoint me fresh and speak through me, Lord, the word of the Lord tonight. And that you, there would be such an anointing, and that everything will be said that needs to be said. Lord, I pray that every person that's hearing this, because we need the help of the Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would move upon all of us and help us just to get locked in, to give you our focus, our full attention. We're not going to be distracted, and the minds are not wandering. But Lord, you would help us just to get locked into the word of the Lord. And Lord, that you would anoint our eyes and ears, that we would have eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to see and to hear what we couldn't have before. But because you've touched our eyes and touched our ears, we're able to. And we ask that the Holy Spirit to move upon our hearts and minds to be good, fertile soil. And let the word of the Lord come out as living seed sown in the good, fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, I pray tonight that your word would be like a mighty hammer that's going to break down strongholds. It's a sword that's going to penetrate and get where it needs to go. Let the winds of your spirit carry this out among the nations. It'll go farther and accomplish more than we could ever imagine. Let your mighty angels watch over it. Because we stand on the promise, your word will not return void. It will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. But we do know the enemy wants to hinder. And so, Lord, we take authority. Jesus taught us the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So, Lord, right now, we bind up every satanic spirit that would try to hinder this word from getting where it needs to be and doing what it needs to do. We bind you now in the name of Jesus. We command you to back off right now. We break your power. Lord, we thank you for clearing that out, and everything will be accomplished in and through the word being preached tonight that your will be done. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Where would we be today without the word of God? Lord, it's an anchor in our lives. And we love your word, and we thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, we're going to get a little bit deeper tonight. That's all right with you guys. Y'all like the meat of the word? You don't want to just live on junk food, right? Just the positive, like, upbeat stuff all the time. No, we need the full, you know, well-balanced diet of the word. Well, this is going to be kind of like that tonight. So, um... I believe in the days to come, River of Life, that there's going to be some major, major breakthroughs that are going to happen. I believe that they're imminent. I don't know an exact time. But I believe things that we've been praying about are about to break open. And when it does, I I shared this on part one. You know, there was war and then victory, war, victory. And finally, Satan got angry. And the Bible says Satan stood up. And he began to try a different avenue than what he was doing before. And so I believe that there's, there's something of a warning that the Holy Spirit is trying to say here. That when we start breaking out into things that we've been praying about, and it will come. That we need to be ready. And what God has been really speaking through me is that this is a time that we're going to need God's grace. We're going to need great grace. So that means that we're going to have to walk in exceptional humility. Did y'all hear that? 
God gives his grace to the humble because of what's coming we're going to need a very high level of God's grace in our lives to keep us but to have a high level of God's grace we're going to have to walk in a very high level of humility so let me say it again we're going to need great grace therefore we're going to have to be willing to walk in exceptional humility and what I've been sensing is that Satan would be maybe trying to search and probe in people's lives and I've been talking about iniquity and this was something that the pride and the iniquity that I have mentioned in just about every service so far that I've dealt with this series but pride and iniquity go together and I don't have time to teach on it this week too much next week I'm going to deal with not only iniquity but I'm going to deal with cycles and strongholds there are some things I've never preached on probably before and we're going to deal with all that but just for now sin is where you miss the mark I'll go more in depth in all this next week okay but sin is just missing the mark we all have areas in our lives that aren't perfect but transgression means rebellion so transgression is where you know something's wrong but you just do it anyway it's a rebellion it's a it's a it's a deeper level you know sin is not really intentional but transgression is very intentional it's calculated but iniquity is altogether different iniquity is things within an individual that are tendencies towards something iniquity comes definitely generationally that's a big door for iniquity but iniquity comes through sins and repetitive sins and certain deep sins in our lives from the past like things that would be idolatry or the occult or sexual immorality things like that but iniquity comes in and iniquity will cause somebody to have a strong urge and tendency towards something it could show up for example if you had maybe a grandmother that was a witch and some of your family was involved in the occult you may have never actually practiced it but you find yourself within kind of having an unhealthy curiosity about things in the occult um, you feel kind of like a draw to watch occult movies see what I'm saying you know what that is that's iniquity in inside your sins are forgiven you're born again and you're on the way to heaven but there's still some iniquitous roots in there that are trying to control your life and what the devil will try to do is he'll he'll search for that stuff in people and then he'll try to hone in and target that specific thing and he'll try to trip them up in that area so he'll start trying to use in this case he'll start trying to use temptations to start dabbling in the occult and if somebody starts doing that they start messing around with their horoscopes or their Ouija boards or they start reading occult books or whatever they're going to open themselves up now to demonic spirits and bondage and now the devil's really starting to move in their life very powerfully and they start getting enslaved to things it's it can be in any area people have tendencies toward maybe to be unforgiving and bitter that is very much a generational iniquity another person may have a tendency towards substances alcohol or even more specifically drugs because drugs are a strong bondage and people that's had drug use in their ancestry 
In the Bible, it's connected to sorcery, which is called pharmakeia in the Bible. So the, let, me, let me stop for a moment. The Greek word for sorcery is pharmakeia. Okay, and that's where we get the word pharmacy from. So people that get into drugs, they don't realize this. But it's not just a natural um, addiction alone. There are spirits involved. And there are occult spirits associated with sorcery of, involved in drug use. And so somebody may have a dad that's in prison and was really on drugs. And they've never even done drugs. But they find something within them that keeps wanting to pull them into the drugs. What these things are is iniquity drives in people. Pride is the biggest iniquity drive that there is. And people will get very prideful. They have a pride issue and they have a hard time receiving because of pride in them. So I want you to think about, because I'm trying to lay this out, also lust and sexual sins, things like homosexuality, deviant sexual behavior that's in family lines. There can be iniquity there. Also, adultery. Um, where there's been adultery in the family, there's been divorce, there's been broken marital vows. Um, people can have, an, a, a, like iniquity drives within them to be unfaithful. To be unfaithful to God. To keep backsliding. To be unfaithful to people. They never will really truly be loyal and faithful in covenant relationships. They're always just kind of teetering in the relationships. And I could go on and on. I'm just trying to kind of throw out without getting deep into this, which I will much more next week, just kind of put some things out there. But what I felt the Lord tell me is that, that Satan's going to try new tactics. So I'm telling you to ask the Lord to show you where iniquity is. Because it's interesting in Revelation 17, I, I understand end time prophecy and I know that it's talking about the whore of Babylon and I know what that is. But it calls iniquity, it says the mystery of iniquity. Now let me just break that phrase. Just focus on those words right there. The mystery of iniquity. You know why it's a mystery? Because people don't see it. And that's the thing about iniquity is that it's very deceptive. Unless the Lord shows people the iniquity in their lives, many times, y'all please hear me, many times people will be doing things that they don't even realize they're doing. Until the Lord shows them, and a lot of times he'll show them through another person, or he'll bring up circumstances, or he'll use a sermon. But God will show them, and then they finally realize, it's like the veil kind of comes off their eyes, and they realize, man, I've been doing that very thing, and I haven't even really realized that I'm doing it, and, and how wrong it is, but I keep struggling with that area. What iniquity is, a lot of times, it is repetitive things. You'll see it in somebody's life. They just keep on and on with it. And, and they, they ask forgiveness. And God is faithful and just to forgive them. But they're enslaved to it. They keep struggling over and over until God delivers them from it. And iniquity, I'm not dealing right now with curses and strongholds and demons. I'm dealing with just iniquity. Whenever the Bible says Jesus was bruised for your iniquity. So when people will humble themselves in prayer and fasting and get on their face and say, Lord, forgive me for this iniquity in my life and in my ancestry, because I see that it's generational. I ask you to forgive me. I renounce that. I'm asking you to reach down in me. 
and pull all this iniquitous roots out of me by the by the roots and just kill it take it out of me god will do it he'll begin to pull all that junk out of you those old tendencies and then the holy spirit ask him holy spirit come live a life through me now that i can overcome these things and the holy spirit will help you but that's why people sometimes people say well you know it's an addiction yes i understand but but you gotta understand there is such thing as a bondless spirit of bondage that enslaves people and i understand that but i'm dealing right now with the root issue the root issue many times is inside and it's iniquity and the lord wants to take that out of people okay so if we will humble ourselves down to the ground i mean to the dirt and say lord please show me what i couldn't see help me lord to deal with the things i've never dealt with before get this stuff out of me and people really get desperate about it god will do it and then eventually people can say what jesus said jesus said the prince of this world comes but he has nothing in me that's what satan's wanting to do he's wanting to find stuff in people that's not dealt with and he'll target that issue all right so let the lord do it let him do a deep deep work so let me go ahead and just run through a few things we need to really walk in great humility somebody that's really walking in humility is very teachable y'all look this way and give me your best ear tonight somebody that's humble is very teachable somebody that's humble is not real critical they can they can sit under and listen they a humble person can be under authority they can be told no we're not doing this even if they want to they'll be okay they're humble they they're submissive to authority a humble person um, is not only teachable but a humble person will tend to be very repentant how many knows that we need to be quick to forgive other people and we need to be quick to ask forgiveness for our sin and quick to repent see that comes out of humility all right but remember this pride is probably the the greatest most significant root of iniquity and it's out of pride many times that many other areas will form iniquity and various sins come forth is out of pride so really pray about the pride issue because there's usually generational pride too that's iniquitous in people so let me just go ahead and get into this word tonight psalm 138 verse 6 for though the lord is high he regards the lowly so i wanted to look that up i was like okay he regards the lowly and what those two hebrew words the word for regards means he sees them <coughs> that the lord's eyes are upon the lowly and the word for lowly can be translated humble so you could read this from the original hebrew like this though the lord is high his eyes are on the humble but it says this but the haughty he knows them from afar how many want god's nearness not god's distance and proverbs 3 34 toward the scorners he is scorn scornful but to the humble he gives favor 
In James 4, 6, I think I probably read this scripture in every one of these sermons so far, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we need great grace in the days to come. But to have great grace, you've got to walk in exceptional humility. I heard somebody say this one time, and it's very true, that humility is like water. If you pour water out, water will find its way to the lowest place. If there's some kind of an elevation issue, if there's a crack that you don't even see, whatever, water will find that low point and rest there. What would it be like in church today as a whole if people by and large really did not care about their own recognition, getting a pat on the back? Nobody really cared about it. Everybody just wanted to be a humble servant. I guarantee you there'd be a lot less strife. Think about what I'm saying. Y'all been in church long enough to know. Almost every schism in the body of Christ is because of pride. The Bible says, but by pride comes contention. So in other words, pride leads to contention. What would it be like if nobody cared if the things that they did were noticed or appreciated? They didn't have to be on the platform. They didn't have to get an award. They didn't have to have anybody praise them. They didn't need any accolades. They didn't need any recognition. They just did everything that they did because they loved Jesus. That was it. I wonder what it would be like in churches today if that was the case across the board. Everybody just said, you know, Anything that God's called me to do, any gifting, anything I ever do, I do not need anybody patting me on the back. I don't need anybody applauding me. I, it can totally be hidden. I just want to do it because I love the Lord and I want to please him. That's it. There's no ulterior motives at all. I may never be recognized. Nobody may ever know I did it. But he knows. And when I, when I stand before him, everything down here that was done will be acknowledged by him. And that's all that really matters. What would it be like if everything we do is out of our love for the king and to bring him the glory? We don't want any attention on us at all. We want him getting all the glory. What would it be like if nobody was trying to build their own kingdom? Nobody was trying to build their own reputation. Nobody was trying to make a name for themselves. Nobody was trying to climb any type of ladder of success. There wasn't any playing politics. People just genuinely wanted to do whatever is God's called me to do. I want to do that and just do it for him because I love him. There's not any climbing over this person over here. There's not political posturing. 
It's not trying to compete with anybody or tear anybody else down. We just simply want to do what God's called us to do. And be faithful doing that. Be content with that. Whatever he's called us to do, just I'm going to be faithful with that and that's fine. I've mentioned it. Hopefully people that hear these sermons will buy the book, The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. You need to read it. If you haven't read it, you need to read that book. But I'm going to tell you this. On Judgment Day, when we stand before the Lord, nothing down here is going to matter anymore at all. The only thing that's going to matter is what he has to say about our lives. And I'm going to tell you something else. Nobody else is going to be there. All the people that couldn't stand you and criticized you, they're not going to be there. And all the people that loved you and patted you on the back are not going to be there. It's going to be you and him. And he's going to examine your life. And I don't know about you, but I want him to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So I just encourage people to remember that phrase about water, just to be like water, find the lowest place and be humble. We don't need anything, we don't need accolades, we don't need awards, we don't need pats on the back. I think most of the time things that have happened in most churches that are, that are divisions is because people wanted their way. The carpet was supposed to be red. I voted for it to be red but they over there voted for it to be blue. And it's the stupidest stuff. I mean, and it's all rooted in the pride of thinking my opinion is so important. What I want is just so important. Everybody should care what I want. Well, humility understands that the little things that we want really don't matter. What matters is what the Lord wants. And these stupid little things like that don't amount to anything. How about we quit worrying about the decor and just worry about, hey, is God's presence in here? Because that's really all that matters. All right. But again, it's about really being humble servants. And just remember this, because I'm going to move off this and get on something totally different. Jesus said the greatest among you will be the humble. Just remember that. Those that humble themselves will be exalted. Those that exalt themselves will be humbled. All right. Well, when you preach like that, it gets quiet everywhere. No matter where you are, man. <laughs> Pin drop. All right, let's get on something a little more interesting. Revelation about bees. Oh, I'm going somewhere with it. So, this is really interesting to me because there's a Hebrew word... The best way to describe this, it's a play on words. So let me give you kind of an example. It may not be the best example, but I think it'll do. You know that some Bibles have Jesus' words in red? Okay. So if you were going to play, do a play on words in English, you would say something like, well, I read all of the red. See what I mean? Okay, those that know English understand that. But somebody that doesn't know English would go, what's your point? See? So there's... There's something about playing on these words. Well, same thing here. The word debar in Hebrew, it means word in English, W-O-R-D. 
But from the root, Debar, gets the word Deborah, which means like a honeybee. So it's kind of a play on words. And it's interesting that Deborah, whose name means bee, would deliver as a prophetess the word of the Lord. So there's this play on this Hebrew word Debar that you see word and you see a bee, okay? So now let me show you something because I believe that this really is prophetic. There seems to be a warning, especially in these latter days. Remember in Timothy, Paul warned that there would come a day that people would not listen to sound doctrine, but they would turn to teachers that would just tell them what they want to hear. That's a scary thought, but I strongly believe that we're living in the time that you're seeing that like no other time in Christianity past right now. But look at this. There's, there's a famine in the land. Hopefully I'll be able to explain this because I believe that there's something to this. So number one, the Bible talks about a famine in the land spiritually. Amos 8.11 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather hearing the words of the Lord. It didn't say there would be a famine of Bibles. It didn't say there would be a famine of churches or a famine of preachers. It says there'll be a famine of actually hearing the word of the Lord. Think about that for a minute. In other words, what is the true word of God that's being preached? Where is it? There would be a famine where maybe you have to go a little distance to find somebody that's really going to preach the word of the Lord. Maybe many churches, maybe many preachers, maybe Bibles everywhere, but you would have to travel some, some distance to find the word of the Lord. Does this make sense? Now it's also interesting to me because I believe that this is an end time prophecy about the word of the Lord. There are famine of the word of the Lord because of what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 1, that there would be seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And then it said, Jesus said there would be false teaching and false prophets. And then Paul said that there would be people that wouldn't even want to hear the truth. They, they would want to just have people tell them what their itching ears want to hear. So I believe this is somehow connected to the end times and to the Laodicean church that's lukewarm. So you have a spiritual famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Then there's a natural famine in Revelation 6 verse 6. And he said in Revelation 6, 6, And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures. Now in the center of the four living creatures is God's throne, okay? And it said this, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not damage the oil and the wine. So what that is saying there is it would take a day's wage to just feed a family. Did y'all get that? It's saying there it would take a day's wage to just simply feed the family. All right. 
Now, this is also interesting because of this reason. A quart of wheat and three quarts of barley. And the natural bees are not needed for wheat and barley because the wind blows and the wind pollinates the wheat and the barley. So you don't have to have bees for that. Also, do not damage the oil and the wine. The same thing with the olives and the grapes. You don't have to have bees for olives and grapes. The wind blows and the wind pollinates. But there is about a third of our diet that would disappear if honeybees disappear. Y'all follow me? It's interesting because for the last 15 years or so, maybe 20 years, scientists have been warning that there has been a major decrease in honeybees. And they're saying that if the bees disappear, it's going to really affect our food, what we have available. And there's been legitimate studies on this. As a matter of fact, Israel has been researching on how to help fix this problem. Now, what's interesting about this also is that out in the wild where you have bees that are not going to come in contact with humanity and our influence, they seem to be doing okay, but it's more in this realm of where we have our crops. And isn't it interesting, I don't know for sure if there's a connection, but why is it that a lot of times people try to genetically modify our crops why are they doing that? Let me, let me try to show you something. They're trying to genetically mess with crops and also with all the chemicals and everything that they do for pesticides and whatever else. But they're doing all of that for one reason, and that is to make more money. The more that we can put out. So the motive behind it is making money. But... Out, it's interesting because I've, you know, I've been looking into this that the bees out in the wild seem to be doing better, but the ones here, there have been beekeepers that are simply saying that their bees have been disappearing and their bees have been dying and they don't know why. Now remember that the word debar speaks of the word of the Lord and it also speaks of a bee, specifically like a honeybee. There was a minister that has an itinerant ministry and he was saying that there's places that he's had to go. I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all follow me. Don't let me lose you yet. Or remember bees, okay? And just stay focused. You got it. So there was this preacher that was saying, ma'am, he said, I, I, there's places that I've been that when I came in to preach, they pulled me off to the side and they told me, they said, now listen, this is a seeker-friendly church. We don't want anybody upset. We don't want you to say anything that's going to offend anybody. And so you need to change anything in your sermon that's going to tick somebody off or make somebody leave or make somebody feel uncomfortable. And he was saying that it's interesting that the motive behind that is to have more people coming and to have bigger offerings. Are y'all following me with this? So just like in the in this natural, you see 
at the greed getting away from kind of out in the wild where it's more organic and all that the greed of having this modified crops and messing with things the motive behind that's money but also the motive many times behind trying to mess with the word of god ultimately goes back to making more money because if you upset anybody they're going to leave and we're not going to get their offering Are you starting to see how it's coming together? There's a famine in the land of the hearing the actual word of the Lord, but it also in the natural, the scientists are concerned because they're seeing the decrease of honeybees and how it's going to affect and possibly bring about some kind of a natural famine in the days to come. I remember a time, is it okay that I just run with this tonight? But I remember a time when um, I've seen different sermons and all this, and, and I'm not a critical person at all. I'll, I'll glean whatever I can from sermons, but I've seen sermons now that are preached before large audiences of adults where the whole sermon, the meat of the sermon boils down to there's some guy on a, on a platform that has somebody holding him up, and he's leaning back, and his whole sermon is that we need to lean on God. And I remember when that type of sermon being that baby level, literally, this is no exaggeration, would be preached in children's church. But now, that's what the adults are getting. There's a famine of actually hearing the word of the Lord. Dumbing things down. A message uh, where there's a lack of repentance we don't want to offend anybody there was a prophet and I'm obviously he put it up on his Facebook so he obviously don't mind everybody saying his name is Jeremiah Johnson but there was a guy that was contacting him and he put this on Facebook for the world to see contacting him about doing a prophetic conference and the guy told him and he said well I hear that when you preach that people will feel convicted and cry and he said yeah I'm not really following you and that guy was saying well that doesn't bring the crowds I mean so the guy was basically telling him that you're gonna have to change from that or we're not gonna be able to have you come to these conferences anymore because we don't need people out there feeling guilty and convicted and crying we want everybody happy. The lack of repentance being preached. Messages that make people feel comfortable in a life of sin. I remember that when I was going, I was under Steve Hill's ministry. I remember that we were here in, in Irving, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, and, and he was preaching. And there was a young couple that came and they had gone to another church a bigger a really big church for year, for like a year or two and they had come there to the church he was pastoring and they felt convicted because they were not married and they were living together and that you know having sex together and they were living together and they were going to a church that would never say anything that would ever convict them 
Let me tell you, they came under Steve's ministry. They felt convicted, came down and got saved, got right with God. And what, here's what happened. They said, we want to make things right with God. So they go and they get married. And Steve was up on the platform ticked off saying, listen, if they would have died in that other church, they'd be in hell. If they would have died being a faithful church member and gone to hell because somebody would not tell them the truth. You're seeing a time where there's a famine of hearing the word of the Lord when people don't want to hear anything that would make them feel that they need to sacrifice or that they, they would have to um, have some kind of a commitment in their life. They just want to go and be entertained. And I, I love that um, actually here recently I was hearing uh, Rick Joyner talk about it. They were saying, man, there's such a shallow, hear what I'm saying, there's such a shallow commitment in many people today. And Rick was saying, what's it going to be like when things start getting more difficult and people have such a shallow commitment to Christ because they just want to be entertained, they just want to be told what they want to hear, they want everything to be about them. Instead of it being about this, take up your cross, deny yourself, die daily, follow him to the death. Lay down your life for the gospel. And as I was reading Rick, I was re he, said, he said this, when's the last time you heard a sermon on endure hardship as a good soldier? And because people have this shallow commitment, a commitment of being entertained and a commitment to a social club, when things get difficult, they're going to bail. But when somebody has a real, genuine commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to matter what the devil throws at them. They're going to stay the course. We're not doing anybody any favors by not telling them the truth. Living in a time where lukewarm saints, the Laodicean church, the Laodicean church was a church that said, we're fine. We're rich. We're in need of nothing. Thank you very much. But Jesus said, now wait a second. That's your assessment of yourself. Now let me tell you my assessment of you. In my eyes, you're naked, you're poor, you're wretched, and you're blind. Now, I counsel you to come by gold refined in the fire. You know what that is? That you can endure hardships as a good soldier. Go through the fire. And let me put anointing oil in your eyes so you can see. Last week, I was talking to Brother Benny after he preached. And I'm thankful for people like Brother Benny still out there because he'll tell it like it is and I remember last time he came for our Pentecost conference, he preached a real fiery message. And a friend of mine, it was, it was Troy, you guys remember Troy and Angela, he was here and he told me, he said, Pastor Scott, he said, you, you don't hear a lot of that type of preaching anymore. And I was like, I know it's sad. But Brother Benny was telling me last week, he said, he has a very good friend of his that has an itinerant ministry. And so they just simply go where God opens the door and preaches. He ended up at a church that the leadership told him to do not use the name of Jesus. 
I mean, you think, you think this is so insane. How can this? But it, there was, that has happened. Me and my wife just looked at each other and shook our heads. I'm not surprised anymore. Nothing surprises me anymore after some of the crazy stuff. People, there's people out there who don't even know if they're a boy or girl anymore. <laughs> so Satan's strategy is to promote, Satan's strategy is to wear out the saints and to promote deception, cause people to fall away, cause offenses, cause divisions to keep God's people away from his true word and away from the move of the spirit of god and let me tell you i remember i was at um a meeting this was years ago now but i was at a meeting with rodney Hart brown and it was probably at calvary cathedral in fort worth i don't remember but he was walking around and he was saying we're back you know because the holy spirit was moving and he was saying the thing is that th there's been such a censoring to get rid of the holy spirit to do anything they can to sanitize church services from anything to do with tongues anything to do with the power of God we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable and that is what the devil's doing right now if you want to know more than anything else the strategy of Satan himself speaking to his principalities etc is to keep God's people away from the true word of God and from the move of the Holy Spirit And so with that said, I want to close by reading you something tonight. This really spoke to me. This was a prophecy given years ago. Let me say is, is we're getting ready to go into that. I just want to give you two more quick scriptures. The Bible says in Daniel 7.25 that Satan would try to wear out the saints in the last days. And one of the greatest ways to wear out the saints is to give them a famine. You know, the famine for the word of God, a famine for the move of the Holy Spirit. When people haven't eaten, they're malnutrition, they're, you know, they're weak. And also to keep Christians as spiritual babes. Isn't it interesting in Jesus referring to the end times? And I know Matthew 24, 19, I know that it's, it's speaking of the the whole antichrist and the fleeing of israel uh, from the military forces of the antichrist mid-tribulation i know all that but let me just give you another insight here how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers you know let me, let me just make that more of a spiritual revelation for leaders that want to keep god's people as babes when they should be growing up how difficult the end times will be for pastors that are going to be pastoring a whole bunch of crybabies. Because they never let God's people mature. They never really gave them the word, let the Holy Spirit move. I remember during um, the revival of Brownsville, man, that's my roots. And I remember that the sermons had meat, they had substance. Even though Steve, now I'm talking about, you know, the teachers, you know, Dick Rubin, John Kilpatrick, but also with Steve as an evangelist, he would give such, uh, uh, you know, evangelistic sermons that an eight-year-old could understand, but still, you, you grew. I mean, there was such an anointing on those sermons. And because of the move of the Holy Spirit and the true word of God being preached, what happened? People really matured. But yet, Satan is trying to bring a famine in the land 
for hearing the word of the Lord. All right, now let me give you this. I'm going to close. So did that make sense not about the bees? I knew I was like, Lord, you got to help me with this one. It's there, but it's kind of confusing. All right, so this is a sermon, or not a sermon, a prophetic word that was given February the 6th of 2004. And it was a man by the name of Daniel. And I believe this is a true word of the Lord, okay? It's not in your notes, so just look this way, and I'm going to read it to you. Remember, this is 2004. So in 2004, George W. Bush was president. Okay, remember? So everybody go back in time. This was 2004. He said, suddenly an angel appeared beside me and took my hand and said, come, you must look and hear and tell others. He said, immediately I was taken away by the angel and I do not know where but I do know that it was in the spirit realm. He says, as we approached the place, I saw countless of thousands of demons. All of them were in fighting gear. They were standing at attention, row upon row, as far as I could see, they were standing at attention, obviously awaiting some kind of an instruction. This seems very military. Then we entered this huge room. It was vast. It was like a dark cavern lit with a glowing red and black phosphorus-like substance that was oozing down the walls all over everything. There were strange and horrible creatures crawling on the walls. As we hovered in the room, the angel gestured to a figure that was seated on some kind of a throne And he said, that individual right there, that is Satan, the ruler of this world. He said, and those around him, those are his kings in the earth, his ruling spirits. The room itself was filled with row upon row of countless thousands of demons. Everything in the the room was dark shadows. It was like color did not exist except for that red light. And I could not begin to number them. They extended as far as I could see. Satan sat on this throne in the center of the room and each on each side of him but lower than him sat two great um, demons each on a throne and the angel said to me the one to his right there that's the prince over America the principality okay over America and Satan addressed him I'm sorry let me let me get back this also I'm sorry And the other one on the other side, he said, was the prince over England. In the center below Satan was another throne that said a prince whom the angel said was the king over the United Nations. Man, I could rabbit trail right there about the UN. God help them. So shortly after we arrived, a single huge majestic dark demon was called out of the crowd and he came to stand in front of Satan and Satan addressed him as the ambassador to the White House. In other words, he would go and then report back. And he told, and he told him he had control of the White House to pass laws that will eventually legalize gay marriage, wipe out Christianity. Now this is the claim of this spirit, okay? But he said that this demon was telling Satan, I'm going to be able to make gay marriage legal. This was 2004. To wipe out Christianity in America, 
to stop any attempt to restrain abortions in any way at all and to make sex with children legal. Now, this is what this spirit was telling Satan. Now, think about from 2004 till 2019, some of the changes we've seen. I want you to really think about 15 years later after this prophecy. As Satan was addressing this ambassador, two more huge spirits stood up and came forward to stand behind him. And the angel told me, the prophet, that one of the ruling spirits over the ACLU and the other one was the ruling spirit over NAMBLA, which is North American Man-Boy Love Association, which is a pedophile organization. I don't even know how it exists. They should all be in jail. How does this even... But anyway, which is trying to pass, NAMBLA is trying to pass laws making sex with young children legal here in America. This is not a new organization, mind you. So Satan told the ambassador to the White House that these two ruling demons over the ACLU and NAMBLA were commissioned to support him with all their warriors. He said that through the White House, the spirit of incest, immorality, lies, and deceit has been rooted deep. These ruling spirits are set in place to control the next president to be in office. That's interesting. Now, 15 years later. Because the next president was President Obama, who, without a doubt, unquestionably, was the most pro-abortion president in American history, hands down. Hillary would have surpassed him if, if she took office. He was also the first president to acknowledge homosexuality and is part of his legacy that now homosexuality is legal throughout this land. So isn't it interesting that in 2004, God gave this prophecy to someone and you know what, by and large, the body of Christ didn't want to hear it because it's not positive, right? I'm just telling you, it's the way it is. These ruling spirits are set in place to control the next president to be in office. They were to work through the White House to destroy all moral laws of America, all the families of America, and the spirit of Christianity in America. They're to destroy that, destroy the family. Satan said that they have already been successful in corrupting Congress with spirits of lust and sexual immorality, greed, lies, and deceit. He seemed to feel that Congress was getting close to being completely under Satan's control. Understand, this is from demonic forces, you know. Um, but anyway, those spirits closer to Satan were obviously of higher rank. They were huge and ugly and very powerful. Their outer garments seemed to be like a shell, almost like an armadillo has an outer shell to protect them. The angel told me that they were principalities and rulers in high places. As I looked, I saw that each one of them had something crawling all over them. And I looked closer and saw that they were covered in a myriad of tiny demons crawling all over them like lice. And the angel told me that these tiny spirits are like couriers. They would be sent out in an instant to take messages to convey the will of the principality. They constantly came and went. After Satan finished addressing these three demons, he turned to the rest of the crowd. And I heard Satan call them his body of governing princes. They were each one of a principality over a state here in America with warlords under them over counties and cities and smaller areas. They were demons that ruled over every courtroom and government office where decisions are made. Y'all hear me? 
They were also ruling demons over areas of the federal government as well. One over each of the federal courtrooms, especially the Supreme Court. Fury was in their eyes, and I've never seen such evil that was in that place. The power of this defi defies description. As Satan was speaking to them, he said, I saw bolts of black lightning come out of his mouth and strike these energizing and strengthen him as he gave them orders. He told each one to go to the capital buildings of their state. You know, that's where the decisions are made. That's the re there's a reason why these beings hang out in Washington and hang out in Austin, Texas. They're trying to influence the courts and they're trying to influence legislation to be anti-Christ. But he said Satan was commissioning them. He told them that they must use every influence they could over the men and women in those positions to corrupt them. Money, sex, lies, threats, lust for power, even death if they did not cooperate. Intimidation, see. They are to see to it that laws and rulings are passed to make every abomination to God legal in this nation. Again, let me remind you, from 2004 to 2019, things that have become legal in this nation. Everything immoral must now be legal and accepted by the population of the United States. Truly, the people want immorality. Just look at them. Homosexuality must be exalted in every form of sexual perversion acceptable as freedom of expression. Every mention of Christianity must be removed, especially from public places and schools. Look how much of that has happened since 2004. And what's some of the main groups that's been doing it? The ACLU working together with the corrupt court systems. Liberalism. We must take the word of God out of America. Make it illegal for the mention of God to be anywhere. You must now go work quickly to outlaw Christianity as a hate religion. All people in any government position must be corrupt. All family values and sanctity of marriage must be removed. Now I'll tell you something. There is a war against the family in this nation. The media must, media must be given free hand to do anything to keep corruption continually before the eyes of the people. Look at all the filth that comes through the media. Think about the entertainment industry, how sexually perverted a lot of the singers are, the occult that's pushed. Children must be now given the legal rights to be involved in any form of sex and corruption all parental rights over children must be removed that's what satan wants and we can set up nudist camps for young people number two satan said finally all of my false prophets are in place within the christian church they will teach messages of greed and lies and lead god's people into such a pursuit of wealth and health and happiness that they will reject completely any fight to prevent our actions through the government. Set family against family over politics and religious rights. Now is the time to reap the seeds that we have so carefully planted in the churches years ago. These seeds have grown into powerful roots. The lust for wealth 
power, sex, bitterness. Lust is now set over churches as a God. And there are places that are like that, that, that is just very sexually perverted. There was a liberal, I just posted this actually. There was a liberal minister recently. I don't believe this woman is a Christian. I don't believe she's a real woman of God at all. But she is a minister. She's a clergy. And she took all these purity rings. I mean, you guys remember purity rings, okay? All right, took a whole bunch of them, melted them down into a little shrine, like a female sex organ shrine, and gave it as an award to somebody. In other words, promoting sexual perversions and that Christians need to do away with this purity business. All right. It says marriage is no longer revered in the church. How many times have we seen people that are not married living together? Things like that. Sexual immorality. Each time a Christian gets involved in sexual sin, pornography, lust, abortion, and compromising with us, it opens a door to send more spirits in. Through these things, God's ability to use his power through them is greatly diminished. You must use gossip and slander and backbiting with even more power. Make sure that the church people will not listen to anything negative against anyone trying to minister truth. You must not permit anyone to expose to come against our kingdom. So in other words, let me read that again. Make sure that the church people will not listen to any, or I'm sorry, will listen to anything negative. So in other words, they're going to try to make anybody preaching the truth look bad. So that church people won't want to listen to it. You must bring about more pregnancies out of wedlocks. More abortions. See to it the divorce rate increases dramatically. Send demons to attack families and marriages to bring about divorce. It's time to release all kinds of demonic prostitutes into the church. Destroy all the word of God and replace it with the word of man. And it keeps going. You know, bring about some false prophets, false signs and wonders in churches. Put the flesh where people are all into the flesh, things like that. Let me read this. I want more sports on Sundays, more of things like the Super Bowl, etc., that people will be out of church and wrapped up in entertainment. Send demons into the lives of believers to hinder their prayers. How many know sometimes it's hard to pray, but you've got to press through? Each church today has become a kingdom ruled by man and a board. Keep it that way. And then he goes on to say, because it's a little bit longer, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, expand terrorism, empower the terrorist cells. America must be destroyed from within. Let the so-called Christians help us destroy it with our weak tolerance of anything we bring in. With the American church being asleep and the Christians being weak, we're able to pull this off is what the devil was saying. And then he said, prepare the army of darkness and go out to destroy everything that God claims is his. Make wars on homes, churches, schools, streets, workplaces, etc. Now, it ends though with this. He was saying that he was so grieved by seeing this. He was so upset and so negative. But he said, then as I left the room, I was very sad and felt so defeated and helpless until my eyes were opened. To see that not only were there rows and rows of warrior demons standing at attention, but all around the outer edge, he said, I saw countless numbers of God's angels. They were waiting also. I saw archangels, each at the head of their legion of warriors. 
the angel guiding me told me all of those angels are ready to fight for the Christians and for morality but their fight will be limited if the Christians don't raise their voices in prayer he sounded very sad the angel the angel's strength is very limited because of the lack of prayer and commitment of God's people the angel the angel showed me more but forbid forbid me to talk about it until a later time so I share that because now is the time to rise up in prayer like no other time and sadly we've been seeing a spiritual famine in the land but let me tell you this though historically in America God has sent great historic revivals at the worst possible times when we were at a, a very weak vulnerable place in the mid 1700s God sent the great awakening in the days of Wesley Edwards and Whitfield in the frontier days we had our original 13 colonies but as as Christianity was waning God sent the great Cambridge revival and then again in the mid 1800s that Christianity was waning again God raised up a Finney and gave him a powerful intercessor brother Nash great the second awakening and during the times of um, you know around 1900 America once again it was at a dark time spiritually that God brought the Azusa Street revival and then it sped up when frequency then we saw great revivals in the 20s and 30s then we saw them in the 40s and 50s then we saw them in the 60s and 70s we saw them in the 90s listen if people will pray God will release those warring angels to begin to deal with this stuff the problem is is there's been a famine in the land of hearing the word of the Lord you would never hear that read in the overwhelming majority of churches because it's negative there's a famine in the land for hearing the word of the Lord but if God's people will really pray and fast and go after God I believe God's gonna send a historic revival and this revival will sweep through America and can turn the tide but it's going to be people praying and those mighty angels being released because of our prayers okay so Lord I thank you according to this sermon I just pray tonight help us to be humble servants like water we're going to find the lowest place if you could let my wife come back out because of this thank you so much Lord help us to be like water that finds the lowest place and just be a humble servant and Lord, because of that humility, we can be unified. Nobody's trying to compete with each other. Nobody needs a pat on the back. We just love God. We love each other. We can remain humble. And Lord, I pray not only that, but help River of Life. Help us to be a place where the true word of God is being preached and where the Holy Spirit is moving. And Lord, that your people are brought to Ephesians 4, 11, 12, 13, where the people of God are brought to full maturity unity of the faith every joint supplying lord we pray for that help us to be mature and unified and finally lord help us to be a place of prayer and because we're people of prayer that your mighty angels are going to be released out and god is going to turn the tide of evil and lord we pray send a historic revival to america lord that will sweep in an end time harvest of souls Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it now. Amen.